meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. As we continue on our sermon series on the seven practices of the way of love, we finally get down to the final two, which is rest and go. And this week, we pick up at rest. Now, rest is essential to our regular rhythm of life. We need rest. As human beings, rest helps restore us and rejuvenate us. Rest just personally has become something very important for me as me and Gloria are having to deal with our three kids and one of those three being a 10-month-old who finds rest as a hindrance to her daily dose of fun. But rest is something that is essential for all of us. Rest is something the Lord wanted for his creation, for all of creation. And we see rest in the land, especially here in Wisconsin when when the winter season comes, everything rests. And we also need rest for our physical bodies as humans. And we see that when we go to sleep, when our body calls us to just sleep and finish the day. As you see, rest is built into God's good creation. Rest allows us to remember that we are only human and that we are vulnerable and limited. Rest allows us to remind ourselves to hand over the keys of the difficulties of our daily life over to God each and every day. But there is another type of rest we proudly tend to overlook, especially the more we find ourselves without need. For many throughout the country and throughout the world, rest is something that goes beyond just sleeping from the daily works of the day. Rest for the poor, the destitute, the vulnerable, the sick, the suffering, and the oppressed takes a very different approach. Rest becomes a sense In a sense, like the desire for water after hours of walking in the hot desert. Rest for them becomes like the desire of food when you're really hungry. It looks like a desire for love when you feel forgotten and isolated. Rest can look like rest from pain when you're sick or suffering. And rest may look like hoping and seeking for justice, especially when you are in a moment of oppression or some sort of injustice in your life. So you see, rest goes beyond just physical rest. Rest also includes rest from the sufferings of this life. This is the kind of rest that the Lord always had in mind and always wanted to provide for, especially for those considered the least and lowly. Not only did God want to provide this sort of rest, but also he wanted to give a kingdom so that those seeking rest would find it in his kingdom. And not only a kingdom, but also a king who would identify with these sorts of people, with the poor, the sick, the vulnerable, the oppressed, the grieving the isolated. God not only wanted to provide to to them, but also to become one of them and even identify 
himself with them as someone lowly. And as we hear in our reading from Paul this morning in Philippians, even though Jesus was in the form of God and had equality with God, he took on human flesh and not just any human flesh. He didn't come in the form of a king or an emperor, but in the form of a slave. Can you guys imagine that? Can you imagine how this would sound in the ears of slave owners in the United States when slavery was around? And racism? God preferred to identify himself with a slave, not with a slave owner. God chose to identify himself with the lowly. God who had the glory that is deserved of God Almighty, humbled himself, humbled himself, even to the point of dying the most shameful and humiliating death known to human civilization. Again, this is similar to hearing that God was willing to come in the form of a slave in America under slavery and willing to die the most humiliating death at that point, which was a death by lynching. This is how far God was willing to go just to identify himself with the poor, with the hurting and the suffering of this world. That's the God we see in the flesh on the cross. On the cross, we find not only a God who, who favors the poor and the lowly. But we also find a God who brings judgment to those who exalt themselves and oppress the lowly. The cross is judgment for those who exalt themselves. And it's judgment because not even Jesus exalted himself. Instead, we find a Lord who calls his disciples. He finds friends. And a God who washes the feet of his friends. We find on the cross a God who has come to be with those who suffer. And this is not new. This has always been God's way. We can just look throughout all of scripture from Genesis to Revelation and find that this is the type of God that we find all across scripture. All the way from Exodus to Jesus, God had always heard the cry of the poor and responded. And the way God had always responded to that cry has been by fighting for those who cry for justice and the suffering. So that they might, might find rest from their suffering, from their oppressors from the injustice, and worship him, worship their liberator. When people in Jerusalem saw Jesus coming, as we see in our gospel this morning, and they put their palms on the floor and sang, Osana, when they saw Jesus coming into Jerusalem, they were excited because in Jesus they had found their liberator, one who would free them from their oppressors, and not just from the big and powerful Roman Empire, but also from their own people, from the scribes and the Pharisees, or for those who had exalted themselves and had marginalized others in the name of keeping the law of Moses. 
They saw in Jesus one who ate and drank with tax collectors and sinners. They saw one who healed those who were considered impure and sick and even willing to touch them. One who did not fear talking to a Samaritan woman or the fair Phoenician woman who was not even a Jew. The one who rode a mule instead of a powerful stallion. In him, they saw a humble king, one who would be like them. The crowd who followed him into Jerusalem were also not men coming uh, fully dressed in armor and in chariots and in stallions, lifting Jesus up. But they were fishermen. His disciples were fishermen. And the women who had left their households to follow Jesus. This was those who were following Jesus into Jerusalem. Not guards. The people who saw Jesus come into Jerusalem saw one also who was not some certified or studied or PhD like the scribes and the teachers of the law, but one who was like them, a simple person, one who had worked with his hands. He was a carpenter in Nazareth and yet was speaking with authority in God's name and teaching the word of God. But this shouldn't be surprising because Jesus elsewhere in the gospel says, come to me all you who are burdened and I will give you rest. Jesus was the one who has always offered rest. Especially to those who are under the heavy finger of of the teachers of the law or of the Roman Empire. Brothers and sisters, Jesus came to bring rest, true rest, rest for those who have no other way out of their suffering, suffering that will only take an act of God to be freed from. Jesus came to say to them on the cross, you have won. In Jesus's victory, they find that rest. They find that victory. And it's rest because Jesus has defeated the sin And powers and principalities of this world that only oppress. Jesus has defeated the powerful of this world and the oppressors of this world. Who can stand up to the almighty, the all-powerful God who humbled himself to the point of voluntarily dying on the cross? No one. And this is the gospel. This is the gospel of liberation, of freedom. This is the gospel that Jesus came to bring to a world that desperately needed true rest. And this true rest comes in the form of his victory on the cross. What we see on the cross is a promise, a promise and hope for those who suffer in this life. It's a promise of a day that is to come, a day of resurrection, a day of new life, of new creation, where the first will be last and the last will be first, 
where there will be no hunger or injustice or pain or death or tears anymore. The victory of Jesus on the cross brings hope for the poor and the suffering of this world and a promise. The one who was betrayed and mocked and left to die a criminal's death, even though he was innocent, is the very God whom the elite and powerful claim to believe in. But the God of the powerful, of the oppressor, of the greedy, of those partial to injustice and the sufferings of this life, their God is a false God. Because the real God, the real God who rose Jesus from the grave, that's the real God and creator of the universe. And that God chose to become human in the person of Jesus to bring rest and to identify with the lowly and the suffering. And it is this God in Jesus who is the one who invites us all into this rest. And in inviting us into this rest, he shares with us the same spirit that was at work in him with us. Jesus, unlike, unlike the powerful, shares his power, a power that transforms and changes hearts, a power that leads us to love and care for the poor and suffering and the oppressed, a power that gives truth and calls us to truth-telling in the midst of darkness and of avoidance. And this power is the Holy Spirit, the advocate, the comforter, the giver of truth. So you see, true rest in Jesus invites us to care for one another, to build one another up, and to love our neighbor in the power of his Holy Spirit. We are called to truly love one another. And embody that love by speaking truth into injustice, especially in our current time. And that could be and that could look like standing up for all the Asian Americans or black Americans or brown Americans or the poor in our country or our neighbor who suffer, who go hungry. And comforting those who mourn among us, giving food to the hungry and water to the thirsty. True rest means participating with God in comforting and in building up all those who are considered lowly and bringing relief to the suffering. True rest is a communal thing. It's not an individualistic thing. And so I call us this Lent. I challenge us that we may follow our Lord and be willing to bear the cross like Simon of Serena was and find ways to bring rest to our neighbors with Jesus, especially those who suffer and grieve and seek justice. This is the God we follow. This is the God that we're going to follow throughout the rest of this Holy Week. The one who was willing to be betrayed the one who was willing to suffer on the cross. The one who found rest. And then birthed hope. This is the one 
who we will see betrayed, mocked, and left alone and shamed. But by the end, this is also the one who even a Roman centurion will say, truly this man was God's son. Even the centurion saw that the man who was on the cross, the man who was innocent and yet suffered the most shameful death, who identified with the poor, who healed the sick, who came to bring rest to the lowly, was God's begotten son. And this is the one in whom we can find true rest in. Let us pray. Almighty God, we give you thanks. As we enter into this holy week, may you open our hearts and our minds to hear your word. To see the plan you have for this world, which is one of rest. This is something you've always wanted to give us. May we follow your example of humbling ourselves as you have humbled yourself and becoming one of us. And even more in identifying with those who suffer and mourn, with the poor, with the persecuted, with those who grieve, with those who are hungry, with those who have no home. Thank you, Lord, for showing us the path of what true humbleness looks like and of how your kingdom will look like, which is not of this world. And I pray that we can be faithful to that vision, that vision of a new world, of a new creation, where we love God and love neighbor truly and embody that love. You are truly the God who identifies with the lowly and in whom we find rest in. May your name be exalted and honored. Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Your soul is filled with your grace.